0: Well, kia ora Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. Stratus is a system to help give up smoking. It comes as vaping technology with cartridges. Each cartridge holds 1ml of nicotine, salt, e liquid at 50mg per ml which lasts most users for several days before needing to freshen up their cartridge. The pods contain enough high-strength nicotine formula. It's perfect for providing relief from cravings. So this is specifically designed to help people stop smoking. Uh, If you know someone, if you date someone, if you are someone who wants to stop smoking, head to Vaporium.nz and look up Stratus. It is the most affordable alternative to smoking. Hey, coming up uh, today, got a a podcast with one of my favourite All Blacks of all times. Uh, He was known as Crusher, and we will find out during the podcast why he was called uh, Crusher. He is now, I guess you'd say, a media personality, a television personality, a reporter and a presenter from the crowd goes wild. Ladies and gentlemen, number seven forever in your hearts, it's Josh Cronfield. Everything is done, and we are live streaming with Josh Cronfield. G'day, Josh. Doing, Pat. Yeah, good man. How you doing?
1: Yeah, an interesting uh, swing on life at the moment. That's for sure. Um, kids involved ten, ten, four, seven, whatever you call it. Twenty-four-seven. Twenty-four-seven. Yeah, and, um, and the wife manically trying to rescue her business. So, what does she
0: do? She's a hairdresser. All oh, right. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, COVID level. Two is distinctly interesting, yep. And so, for the last three weeks, it's been a mad rush trying to get to a stage where um she can um be up and running and working efficiently within the new guidelines, yep, which are pretty stringent. Um, I mean, I guess it's all safety and care and respect to everyone, but um, yeah, no, it's been full on and 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 it's and for her, you know, she's got fifteen odd staff, and right. so that's they're her family too. Yeah, Crikey, we deal with all their bloody dramas, and <laughs> and
0: um and uh, she's the mum of it all. So, uh, you know, um, so she owns this the salon, the place, and and the yeah. Chef... So she's Tony and Guy, and she's pretty internationally
1: uh, involved. Yep, uh, like and. Guy with the flavor that's happened across the, um, the world, uh, it's been massive impact on them. And so they've been, re- they've always been very proactive education, but they've just gone to a
0: whole nother level. Yeah, I bet. Wow.
1: And, um, so she's been Skyping and Zoom calls most nights, most mornings, across, across the ditch and um speaking to australia asia and uk and they're all coming together and putting um you know just offering this pool of advice of how to manage and and how we move into the next step and yeah. in some ways new zealand is a little bit ahead of everyone you know um in terms of how we're dealing with this next stage mm-hmm. but um obviously out of italy and spain there was a whole different swing of what they were having to deal with in terms of their lockdown and where they were and how they were managing it. So, an incredible pool of information, education, and um, and meantime they've also been doing all this crazy upskilling, you know. So all their right elites and uh, bromans from that world. So, like, a, to give you an example of probably my where I sit in the scheme of rugby internationally. Um, she's one of their superstars and um from back in the day, you know. So
0: She's the Dan Carter of that world, is she?
1: Uh the, I don't know if Dan Carter'd be the right uh the right version, but um I'm sure we could it would be somewhere up there, you <laughs> know, like it's funny, I you go to an uh, I've been to a few of their gigs and nobody knows who I am. And uh and they all know who she is. So it's it's kinda cool. it's 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 a bit of a role reversal. It's it's nice. Um, but it also – I think that's why it's worked for us as a couple too because, you know, like she understands what it is to to be in the limelight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so she she manages the crazy fans that just pop up and out of nowhere and want photos and want um, some time and they want to say hello. And, and she so she manages that really well and understands that and embraces it. It's, and um so when I'm when I'm having to take photos for her cool. <laughs> hairdressing it's quite it's quite cute.
0: How does that feel for you? I, I, I just to um kind of echo back what you're saying, it's not necessarily for me, but my old man uh part of the Catholic Church and you know they literally talk about the old boys' network. So everyone in Auckland involved in that world sort of knows my dad's name and he's got a very recognizable name, his first name is Bede. Um yeah. and um, my, When I was working for ZB, my sisters used to call me occasionally and talk about how it's gone full circle. And all their life, they got, Oh, are you Beads daughters? Are you Beads daughters? And it, and it flipped to, Are you related to Pat? And it, it happened the other way and it started going the other way. I never really experienced it, but mum and dad experienced it when they were playing a golf tournament at Mungify Heads. And someone saw the surname and listened to me. And, of course, I was doing nighttime stuff, so it was all the oldies were listening to me. And were quite chuffed that they got to meet, to meet my parents. And it's funny to have the complete, like you're saying, the sort of reversal that everyone knew the, the father's name. And then it started to <laughs> slow, it, even though I'm not saying I had a big audience, but it slowly, slowly shifted. And my, my siblings were getting the opposite message. What did it feel like to you to be sort of the the one 'Cause obviously, especially at your peak oh, when you're in Orbit, getting the kids coming up for autographs and stuff, what, what's it like?
1: I think it's only that awkward when someone comes up for an autograph and then it said not actually for you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, um, I I think it's fantastic. I, I actually love scenarios where people have no idea who I am, you know. Um you know, I, I um I game a little bit. And, um, and and since the lockdown, I've kind of probably been uh, involved in that a little bit more than I normally do. <laughs> and uh, so I've been talking to people in Australia, and, and so, so there's online at one time in a Discord room together, mm-hmm. it could be like 30-odd people. And um, the chat's always quite intriguing, but they often sometimes get onto rugby and, and whatnot, and and they're bagging people or talking stuff like that. They have no idea. Wow. Right? You know, so I kind of like that anonymity, you know? I kind of, it's, it's quite it's quite fun for me when people don't know who you are, you know? Because you can just, I'm not that I, I'd like to think the Josh Cromwell persona is not any different to what's sitting in front of you now. Yeah. Um, other than maybe in the media light or whatever, I'm a little bit more aware of my P's and Q's. And, yeah. Uh, I try, I try to try to be that person the whole time. You know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, yeah. and
1: I, I don't try and present on one hand this person, and on the other, who I'm hanging out with my friends. I try and make them the same people a little bit. A little
0: bit. I used to tell people when they used to talk about doing presenting, whether it was TV or radio. I would always say the best kind of a presenter is that they're completely themselves but it's just like they're themselves on a cup of coffee. There's just kind of 5% more because you've got to be a little bit bigger to do it but you are basically yourself. It makes me laugh as well to think about the not being recognised thing. Uh, We had in, his name eludes me, but a filmmaker and a director who made a series, uh, a film about Ed Hillary and he was a guy who also had the Uh, the the lucky occasion to actually film ed hillary through the 70s and stuff so he'd known him for a long time and spent a lot of time with him and he told a story once of being up a mountain might have even been in the himalayan region you know with ed hillary walking and this american tourist came along and told ed hillary uh that wasn't the right way to use a pickaxe an ice axe (laughs) And gave him a lesson, and apparently Sir Ed just sat there gently and let him give him the lesson, and thanked him, and the guy walked on, not realising he'd just given the lesson to the guy who was the first up Mount Everest. It was, it was a hilarious story, <laughs> <laughs> but but ever the gentleman, Ed just let him do it and thanked him for his time, and off he went, in the sky. <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's beautiful, you know.
1: Um, the funniest thing I think in that respect, you know, people recognising like I still people still think I'm Anton Oliver. <laughs> and, and i i personally like visually you put face to face we don't look anything a lot no but but i think it's um posture posturally maybe you know we've both got that nint and that and sort of um hunched over maybe you know big backs sort and of look and uh silver sort of back maybe and um and so consequently they just they just put the two and two
0: together? Yeah, I I mean, I, I can't understand how that would happen for you guys because obviously being a rugby nut and a sports follower, you're very different people. But I guess you hear it a lot. You know, you hear Elijah Wood saying he gets missed, uh, uh, confused all the time for um, Dirty played Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. They, they get each other, people asking their fans, asking both each of them for the other person's autograph because they get confused. So I guess when you see someone that you're not intimately knowledgeable of, you Go. I recognize that person. Where do I recognize him from? I've seen them playing rugby. Maybe I saw them at the House of Pain. Oh, it's Anton Oliver, you know. So you kind of put together the story and then come to the wrong conclusion as opposed to knowing exactly who it is because you're, you know, an actual prop big you know, fan of the sport, so to speak. So I get it, but it's pretty funny.
1: I just haven't played it out yet. For him,
0: <laughs> have you had yeah, that? That's what you do next is you sign an autograph in his name. I heard a story actually with. Um, I think it was Elijah Wood saying he signs. He sometimes signs Daniel Radcliffe if they ask him. They, they ask him. I love you know. I I, I love you and um, whatever. And Harry Potter. And so he signs Daniel Radcliffe, and it's Elijah Wood signing the wrong name, which probably is quite a valuable signature. The wrong signature. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so um, I was thinking as well. I'm um, I'm sure coming into level two, your wife's business has exploded. I I. I mean, you obviously know Dunedin very well. Down by the Cenotaph there is there's a barber called Bloke, which is where I go to. Haven't had a clipping in, you know, seven weeks sort of thing. Got in got in on Monday night at 6 p.m. when they opened up their calendar. And by the time I'd finished the appointment, a week and a half of bookings had filled up. And so I had to yeah. wait till the middle of next week to to, to go and, and see my barber because it just went and just filled up. And that's in a population of, you know, 125,000. So I imagine work must be coming out of the ears now, mustn't it?
1: yeah it is, but it's not it's not it's not in the because it can't they can't go in the same realm of all right, we need to fit all these people in, yeah, let's open twenty chairs and let's do back to back twenty chairs they can't do that, yeah, so what right. they've had to do because of all the restrictions and the distancing and all that sort of stuff and how many people can be in the store at one time it's meant that um. They have a set number that they can get through in a day. Okay. So they've lengthened their days, right? Um, for the same sort of income, I guess, um, just to get through some of the numbers. Mm. And um, they've like other things, like where they, if someone was late, they just push everybody, just get pushed back, and or they uh, bond together and just get two people on one one job, right. whatever, and get through it. They can't do that anymore. They actually have wow. to say that person, no, you're late. I'm sorry, you go to the back of the line now. Wow. Um, uh, because if they do do what they do, everybody else gets angry. Yeah. And um, also, uh, the, the, you know, like they lose time splots and it, it just it just turns into a debacle. And um, so they're, they're having to be quite um, matter of fact and harsh. And of course everybody assumes too that I'm more important than the other.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah.
1: um, you know, like clients are very you know, aggressive to get that 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 returning back to that beautiful um hairdo, you know? Yeah. Um and, and I mean it's a it's, it's a credit to the quality of the product that they the are the delivering, but um I asked her today, uh, the last night when she got home, she got home, she left it Six in the morning, and got home uh, just before nine, and um, and I said, Oh, how'd the day go? And she said, It was incredible. She said, It was really smooth. So, all the prep that she'd been cracking out for last with her team you know, um, they'd have Zoom meetings twice a week, mm-hmm. uh, talking about how they were going to manage going into level two. They had half the team in, uh, in level three. Um, with their spacing so they can open their bubble to get the um, the, the the salon fully cleaned out, repainted, right. um, disinfected, all the stations sorted out. So, you know, like they, they bind up all the, after they've done one client, all the stuff that was used on that client is bound up and taken away and washed. That whole that area is fully cleaned out before the next client comes in. So, they, They've had to allow time between clients so that they can get the chairs all uh, disinfected. It's it's pretty it's pretty full on, mm. um, but it's going to be like that for everybody now. Yeah you know,
0: do just, do you do you think and, and maybe not specifically about the salon, but obviously you're involved in in business, you know, with with your yeah. wife, and obviously you you're working as well. I, I'm wondering is it at the end of this whole thing, this whole COVID thing, because there will be an end point. Uh, you know, like what? Well, 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 I think I, I mean, even if it's
1: I, I can't see, I can't see how. Aren't we going to just have this roll around again when the next um, busload comes in the down
0: Do you mean the same thing, or the next one, like the next? Oh, well, the
1: next one, or the or the same thing? Because I mean, this this virus doesn't just burn out, does it? It's, it, it's like another cold. It's like, you know, are we going to see it again next year?
0: I think that, done well, if it is just another cold, I don't I, mean, I don't. I don't mean that from the serious nature of it, because obviously it's far more dangerous and serious than a cold. But if if the analogy is you know each season it rolls through, um, I think that'll. I guess this is what I'm alluding to. What are the business practices and how are they going to change permanently and long term? Are they going to, or will we go back? I mean, obviously, the answer at the moment to what the future holds probably first and foremost lies in a vaccine. But even in saying that, once the once or if the virus evolves into, you know, COVID two then much like the flu shot each year, it'll deal with the flus that have gone before, but not so much the flus that are coming up. Yeah, maybe this isn't a new normal. And the
1: quality of testing, you know, can you test having a package that tests, and if you've been exposed, you know, the, is it picks up the incubation right at the start, mm-hmm. not at the end of 14 days. Do you know what I mean? I think that's, and that testing be able to be done within 24 hours at a border. Yeah. that, that, that are going to be probably the, the key indicators. But it's, who knows? That's the future. It's just, we just got to wait and see.
0: Yeah. It is It is crazy to think about, about this. I, I was talking with a mate in New York last night He's in New York, not city. He's in New York State, so he's upstate. And he was saying that, he's a Kiwi living over there, he was saying that one of the things that he's fearful of, I think he used the word fearful, but thinking about, is what happens if, you know, like like a superbug turns up because people don't use all their antibiotics and it kind of gets a bit of a resistance. He was sort of saying, what happens if this thing does evolve and then turns into something even worse and then crashes through America uh, as badly as this one has done but the death rate is up, that's what his concern is and when he said that I was like, fuck this is, you know, thinking about where it could go versus where it is now, that's that's a bit of a scary thought actually
1: I mean, if you want to chuck scary in the the question is too like, I've seen dof, different documents that have kind of and again, it, it's hearsay, so you can chuck whatever you want into this this thought process, but it's, it's, what is it, uh, a thousand times more um, contagious than any of the SARS were. I mean, how does something suddenly come out of nowhere and jump to a thousand times more aggressive? Yeah. And, con- and then also have uh, some, you know, the AIDS virus, um have that mutation gene um like i think it was like they were saying there's you know like in terms of being similar have that quality of being able to mutate um distinctly related to the aids uh virus um or how has this suddenly just turned up and being like that it, yeah it seems to me that it's not natural
0: it's not natural evolution so when you say it's not natural, what are you thinking that it's uh, it's? You, oh, it's been manufactured somewhere So, and so you up. you lean towards this as this has been made in a lab.
1: Yeah, oh, I reckon it's, it's too much of a large jump, mate.
0: Do you go one step further and say released on purpose, or there's been a terrible accident? Oh,
1: who would release this on
0: purpose? Yeah,
1: the whole world's got to It's got to be an accident. But again, it's the it's the. Uh, it's it's theorizing. It's the you know looking in behind the scenes and 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 that's that's where the internet opens stuff up. You know? like yeah. opens both good up. both good and bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shit, some I of mean, the some of the conversations I, I've seen always, online.
1: Yeah, it's I'm always stunned at what I end up reading or don't read. Yeah. as Well, <laughs> you know, you get stuff flicked at you from different uh, avenues and, uh, or your you're online and you're researching something that you want to buy or find or something like that. And you end up on some site and next thing you're reading that I've always stunned at what, what you could find. I mean, the, the I reckon the funniest moment that I ever had and, and uh, well, not funniest, but I, I remember when I back in early nineties, so maybe 91 ish 92, um, Oh, maybe a bit. No, actually, probably a bit later. It was probably about ninety-three. Mm-hmm. I just started playing for Otago, and I, you know, I was making roads and, and stuff like that. And um, I bought my first genuine computer, I right? A desktop, um, and I had it set up there. And, and I remember I'd come home and I'd had a few drinks, and, and I wasn't ready to go to bed yet. I was home early, and I thought I'll, I'll you know, have a play on the computer. So I'm start flitting around and stuff like that and then at some point in time i thought oh i wonder what happens when you enter your own name it oh yeah yeah that's you know i hadn't really done anything with the net you know this is early days and for me in terms of computers and so i, I type my name in, and I, for whatever reason i went through the processes there were some photos and there was stuff like that and i ended up in this chat room and i were talking about whether Josh Cromfeld or uh, you know or um, Dwayne Munkley were the better player.
0: Really? Was,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dwayne Munkley was an amazing player. And, and in 1993, he probably should have gone away to the World Cup. Right. I mean, not to World Cup to to the UK tour. I thought it was a it was actually a bit of a it was just totally wrong. You know, um, the the you know I remember they took Liam Barry and they never played him and then. Had Mike Brewer, who was already over there, end mm-hmm. up stepping into the role. It was just not right ethically, or you know, you pick pick player who's the best in the country and take him away, you know? They didn't do that. But um anyway, they they were just bagging the crap out of me. <laughs> and, oh, like it was it was evil stuff, you know, like like genuinely like I remember getting off of it and feeling so empty and 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 literally destroyed emotionally. Wow! Like I, 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 it was it was just because I here he, I was a young person, you know, not really being exposed to any social media at all at that time.
0: Well, yeah, it didn't exist.
1: Well, it didn't really exist. No, that's right, and not really having an understanding of who I was as an as an individual yet. Anyway, you know, I've just come out of uni kind of, I've been that person in university. I was now working as a school teacher at that particular time. And so still just really in the throes of being an adult and, and discovering who I was and, and how I presented. And then to read all this horrendous, uh, stuff about, you know, they were attacks at what, who I, how I acted and how I played, and you know, <laughs> as, as those chat rooms are. Sure. And, I- um, but it devastated me. So I, I've kind of worked on the, the, the process of ignorance since then. I don't read or listen to anything. I,
0: you hear people often say, profile people often say, Gosh, if the internet was around when I was going through like, you know, stars of the 80s and 90s, if the if social media was around, it's it's kind of hilarious that what people can relate to today, profile people be them athletes or, you know, celebrities or performers or whatever, and they get shit via Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You got literally, literally the first time you got on on the internet and you got it 30 odd years ago, 28 years ago. That's hilarious. I mean, I'd, it's, I, I can remember the days, you know, you'd fire up your 486, you'd load up uh, Netscape and take your seven minutes to get on the internet with it chirping away there in the background. And the first thing you see is, oh, Josh Cronfield, he's a bit of a dick. You're like, oh, what's this? This must be, This is a very personalized thing, isn't it? There's internet on your, on your MIRC chat room. Remember all those days? <laughs> That's crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean but you talk about that social media thing you know like and and how um you know they people can get dragged right under the bus with it you know um it's 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 evil it's 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 tough you know like I my concern now is like how do I manage it with my kids
0: right you know? yeah like, yeah
1: don't get me wrong like um my greatest belief is with any of that social media stuff. um, If you present yourself in a positive and you're open about how you are and what you think in your life and you, and you're constructing uh, a constructive um, and positive in terms of how you um, talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Nine times out of 10 and you're open to saying hello to people and shaking hands and, and smiling and waving and and recognising people around you, 9 out of 10, when any, any negativity comes out, you walk out the other side really, really well. Yeah. But that's me as a strong individual now who knows where I sit in the world. But young kids who have no idea where they are or who they are or what they present or represent, that's, it's, it's, I don't know i
0: just don't know how to manage through that minefield you know there's a um and i've talked about this a dozen times on this podcast people will be getting sick of it but there's a very 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 good clip on youtube by a guy called simon sinek and he's talking about millennials in the workplace and i would suggest anyone it's probably 18 minutes long in total i would suggest anybody go and look up simon sinek i think it's s-i-n-e-k Millennials in the workplace, and he's sitting at a chair with another guy interviewing him. And I show it to my kids quite often because there's about an eight minute chunk of it, which is talking about these things talking about these things and talking about what they do to your brain and talking about how you know they're designed to set off the same synapses in your head that alcohol and cocaine do, and all these things that come with it. Um, it's, as, a, as, a, as a parent as well, I think this is where we need to come in. Although, you know, an 18 or 18 is too older, 14 year old will often know more about the internet and what to do and where to go than their parent does in this day and age, which has sort of always been the way the teenagers have sort of led the technology revolution. But um, I think it's okay as a parent as well to go, we need to figure out how to navigate this safely. You know, in the old, 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 old days, if we were jumping on a boat and going somewhere, we would find the path that was safest to get from point A to point B. And I think that's no real different today when it comes to things like the internet, social media, and technology. We didn't allow our kids to be put on things like school uh, websites and that kind of stuff. They could say, you know, child X from room 13. Um, That would be fine, but we wouldn't have child X and the surname from room 13. And it was quite simply because my kids, your kids, the gen probably gen y maybe gen z are the first real generation that are going to have a digital footprint their whole lives and i was of the opinion as were my kids mum that they didn't need that footprint when they were eight you know they could wait till secondary school to start their start their footprint off and i just hope that as parents um generally in society we still have enough maybe nouse about us that we can go you know, I think in society sometimes we kind of go, "Ugh," oh, you know, this is just what all the kids are doing. We just, you know, you know, and they give their eight-year-olds a smartphone. I'm just like, I, th- I just, I hope we can be smarter than that. And the thing about the Simon Sinek clip, which is amazing, is when he relates things like these smartphones to alcohol and how it works in your brain. He basically says you wouldn't open up your alcohol cupboard to your 11-year-old and say, "Help yourself," and he kind of encourages to treat it the same way, which I think at the very least, is worth at least taking on board. Some people will disagree with them. Some people won't do it. But it's worth watching and having... I think more knowledge is always better than less knowledge, in my opinion.
1: Well, my youngest is 10. Um, he does all the troubleshooting for his mother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like from Zoom through yeah. to everything. He's he uh, The oldest will have a... a um, will set it up for his younger for the younger brother. The younger brother just doesn't have any idea or concept with, with the technology, but the <laughs> oldest has embraced it. And I remember when he was eight, he was um already talking about getting his his own iPhone. Right. And um and I said, no, nah, no, nah, you're not having a phone until you're sixteen. <laughs> yeah. And dude, that went down like a lead balloon. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um it's it, and I just don't know, I've not been able to understand um, why there's such a drive to have a phone, you know? It's just, it's kind of astounding. I, I mean, I, I guess I get it a little bit. I remember um, back in, in the, uh, again, we go back to the early 90s when um, a Telecom, I think, came on board with the All Blacks and they gave us all our, the, the, the we Nokia bricks, you know? Yep. And and with an account and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I left mine in my box for about, I don't know, maybe two months. <laughs> months. It was at, like some launch at the start of the year. So we weren't getting back till June or whatever. And um, and I carried on doing what I was doing, surfing and playing footy and and, and, and going to work. And and um, anyway, they uh, suddenly got this um, this phone call. And it was, and they said, where have you been? I says, I've been here. And, and, you know, they says, well, we've been trying to get hold of you for the last month. And, and uh, I says, well, well, what do you need? And they told me and I says, oh, okay. And they go, where's your, um, your phone? I says, oh, I haven't opened it up. (laughs) And and they they basically bullied me. in, And then I realized the reason why they'd given me because It meant by having the cell phone, they could get hold of me whenever they wanted. Yep. And also, once I was tied to it and started texting and all that sort of stuff, you know, that was my world. You know? So I hate phones. I, 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 rem- last, I last on social media maybe once. You know, I have two weeks on Facebook I managed. Right. And Instagram has been a lot longer, but again, I just go through, oh, I'm really good, I'm really good, really good, really good, and then for another week and a half, yeah
0: I remember Vodafone bringing out an advert, and I can I can remember it really clearly because it kind of echoes what you're saying, where they were talking about, you know, it was this big thing about, you know, you don't have to have an office phone anymore, don't worry about office phones, we'll put everything through to your cell phone, your office will be with you 24-7, and I went, fuck that, I don't want my office with me 24-7. I want to be answering, and I mean, this was, this was maybe the late 90s, and now we kind of all do have our offices with us. But the initial reaction was, be tied to your workplace permanently. We can help you with that. Isn't it great? And I just thought, no, it's not great. It's not great to, to, to sort of do that. I mean, it's very different now because I've got clients and I've got people I help with things, and they call me often, but you know, there's still boundaries. I still go out with my kids and I leave my phone at home. Um, I still, you know, will have it charging in the bedroom if I'm out in the other room and if it rings, I don't answer it, you know, I'm I'm very good, in fact, my kids, I drive my kids crazy, I'll show you, because, I don't know if you can see the messages down there, you see the little red line by the messages, you probably can't see it, anyway, it says yeah, yeah. 209, so I've got at the moment yeah. 209 unanswered text messages because, you know, saying goodbye at the end of a message or responding to someone immediately is not necessarily always important, but, yeah, it's, it's, the technology is amoral, right? It's neither good nor bad. It's what we do with it. M- my kids, for example, my, my two at high school have got phones now. And uh, when they're at intermediate school, we got a, a third phone for the house. and We called it the whanau phone. And the whanau phone was available. So like when they were in intermediate school, let's say they went to an well, event. They could take it with them, but it wasn't theirs. Um, and but when they got to the secondary school, they got phones. But w- <laughs> I say I, I say this kind of thing, and people go, "Okay, boomer, that whole tra- I'm, look." I'm first of all, I'm Gen X, right? Let's just make that clear straight away. But I we have restrictions on their phones. When they're at my house, they don't charge their phones in their bedroom. They put them out in the general space. They don't have their laptops in their bedroom. We've actually got a a thing on the phone, an app on the phone that restricts some of their use. It can they can use their phone for an hour and a half a day, and then it basically turns their phone off to being a dumb phone. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, look. People might think that I'm heavy-handed and a bit of a bit of an old, yeah, bit of a boomer with that kind of stuff. But I, I'm not going to open up the alcohol cup and just go help yourself. It's not actually beneficial to that that um, developing mind.
1: Oh, look, I think it's good. Like, um, I think it's really good. Like both both my boys, they will come and ask uh, if they can get on technology. I mean, they're on technology now. Same. Because <laughs> we open the door. There's silence. Yeah. There's no noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible babysitter, but I, I love hearing them making noise and playing outside and yeah. um, you know, going to have break-up scraps and all that sort of stuff. There are two boys growing up in each other's company, you know? Like, it's just it's, – it's how it should be, and um, I don't want them – you Know that they, they do. There are moments where they're both on the same game for the thing together, yelling across the room and <laughs> and, and playing some uh, what is it, Roblox? Um, which is the, the sort of young people online thing at the moment, right? And they all get into different rooms. And um, from the oldest, it's his world, he's a techie, he's techie, you know, he does little animations and. All that sort of stuff—that's his world. He he lives and breathes it. But the young younger one—he's he, he loves loves um, getting out and kicking a ball and passing and stuff like that. So far, soon into him to embrace that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I agree. And 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 I I would encourage parents. This has turned into like parenting with Josh and Pat. Um, I would oh. and I would encourage parents that they're like, oh, you know, my kid hasn't done X Y Z for so long, and like for example, board games. So we probably buy one to three board games a year we've probably got 15 to 20 board games in the house right now and the reason that we play board games is because we've got board games in the house you know and, and a lot of people will say oh my kids never do that and you go how many board games have you got in your house and they're like none it's like well you know there's, there's a reason for that my, my kids get out the back and sit in there um, sit on the outdoor uh, beanbags with ukuleles playing songs to the rabbits Partly because I kick them out of the house sometimes and I say, it's sunny, get outside. But then once they're yeah. out there, they do it. But then the, the flip side of that is, uh, you know, m- me and them play Fortnite together on the PS4. It's great yeah. fun. You know, there's a time and a place. I, I, I've i introduced them to a heap of good movies that they never would have found without, you know, dad's kind of comedy vault from the 1990s coming out. Um, <laughs> so there's a time and a place for everything. I love technology. I mean, look what we're doing right now. Technology is amazing. And there's a time and a place, and there's a time and a place to get your ass outside and take the dog for a walk, or for us to go down to the park, or to go to the dog park, or whatever it is as well. That's what I think it's balance, isn't it? Oh,
1: and it's a, there's a reward, a reward process that goes with technology as well. Yeah, so there's sometimes you know, the boys are going, Oh, you're playing Warcraft again, dad. And it's like, well, um, who's paid for the game? Who owns the game? Yeah. Who, <laughs> the internet connection, yeah. who's. who's the time to do that and they go and i said you know like i've i've everything you're doing in, in it is only because dad and mum are putting it there for you so sure you can do that stuff and, you, and when you're older you can do it whenever you want
0: mm.
1: you can make those decisions but you're in our house we're supplying it all there's a you know there's a, a there's a reward process so i mean you know the youngest one he's he he, uh, he he's ready to go. Oh, if, he get, if I say you'd get this job done, can I play PlayStation after I do that? Dad? Yeah. Or can I get you on know, it? I okay. go. Yeah, actually, you can. You've been a good. You've been a good kid. You know. So there's that. There's that sort of incentive that comes with it as well. I don't know if that's good parenting. I don't really know. But no. um, you know, we we mix and match. You know. Um, got. I, I love going down to Raglan and the. Uh, with the the family especially, and um, we we still have the broadband that gets in there, but you don't. There's no, um, Vodafone and Telecom don't quite make it to us. Nice where we are. Yeah. So you, I mean, if you want to walk, um, you know, half a k up the road, you can get reception. So that's kind of cool too. People go out, to check their phones that way. Yeah, that's nice. But obviously, you know, now that WhatsApp and all that sort of stuff, it makes. Um, you know, you're still accessible in some respects, but it's such a nice place with the view and the environment and the the vibe there. That's just you know you chill and you relax. And so we're about to ra- of- we're
0: about to Raglan. Didn't you go. You further around by Whale Bay. Then are you out that side? Yeah, too? we're in Whale
1: Bay. Yeah, yeah. nice. We, I was lucky enough when um, when we've got sort of my first lot of money with, come through. Um, I bought a. I, I hadn't my first house in Dunedin and then once I'd done there, I I, had great parents. They took us all the way around the world and, and we did lots of crazy, I mean when I say the world, New Zealand and you know, I've seen most of New, the North Island as a kid um, via house buses and tenting, camping and stuff like that and so um, and then I, a couple of times I got to go um, and stay at uh, family or friends' batches, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I thought oh, I always wanted to have a batch, you know, for the family. Nice. And so when I kind of got my first house sort of sorted and, and then the next lot of cash was coming through, it was like, well, what do I do with it? And I thought, I want a holiday home. And then it was like, well, do I get a holiday home that's just up the road and, or do I get a holiday home so that when I go there, I'm on holiday you know I'm, right i'm stuck there, yeah. and so cuz Raglan's
0: a long way away from Dunedin so you were living in Dunedin and bought in Raglan yeah holy yeah. shit that is that's a that's a that's a few days to get there yeah yeah which is
1: cool too yeah which is cool chat i mean I, I i'm in Auckland now yeah but i always envisaged that i was going to be living in in Dunedin and um and my thought process was right we're up month off christmas time you know, school holidays, we're, we're buzzing up there and we take, you know, or, uh, a week to get there.
0: Right, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: We do the roadie. We stop off and kids check out bits of New Zealand and stuff like that and it hasn't worked out that way. You know, I got attracted uh, to a bit of Auckland skirt and then and, uh, and I got stuck there. But, um, you know, it, uh, it it's, you know, it's different. But we love going down there it's just it's such a neat place yeah and when people come in i say you know you realize if you're not on your social media shirt you're going to spend the entire time sleeping yeah doing
0: stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: they, they all go Arr! but when you get there just through the design of the house and and the constant <laughs> of the sea just rolling through um, sure enough, come two o'clock, they're snoozing on the, on the, on the couches or out in the front and the lounges and, and yeah, everybody's, everybody has that success, this sort of timeline and, um, but we're all up early still in the morning, you know, might have late nights, but we're still getting up cause you know, dad, dad's climb out to get in the water early before trying to beat everyone in the water, you know, it's,
0: it's, it's the life. Great. It is a lie, and you know. also I guess thing living in Auckland. Like I grew up in Auckland, and our holiday place was Mungify Heads, which to people oh, who yeah. don't know are, are an hour and a half north, whereas Raglan's you know hour forty-five, two hours south, off, um, off from Wellington.
1: For us to be, for us to be at the house from home, it's two hours.
0: Okay, um, yeah, but
1: it's, it's easy two hours, and probably with that new motorway, mate, they've just shared, put in. It'll be it's probably probably taking a good fifteen. 20 minutes off it.
0: Nice. Mate, there's a big difference between going to your holiday place if it's an hour 40 to two hours. Just that difference seems to make it feel like you could almost do it in a, in a day trip pretty easy. Shoot back up to Auckland for a day's work and come back again on the same day pretty easy.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the thing is, I, I, I've got no problems, uh, you know, and only is probably surfers feel this way. I've got no problems driving four hours to go for a surf. Yeah, right. If I know it's going to be pumping. And
0: skiers as well skiers that go down to the mountain yeah. for the day. It's, it's,
1: it's just what you do yeah,
0: you yeah. Know? if that's your you love oh, I can't remember the last time I was on Snow I need to sort that <laughs> out Hey um, speaking of kind of technology and stuff um, when we were talking last week uh, you were, I, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of this and I, 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 I don't want to apologise actually I used to always hate those people when you said what you did for a drive and they go oh I never listen and you're like oh I don't care um, but I, I wasn't aware that CGW was still going so what's happening with Crowd Goes Wild at the moment what are you guys actually doing?
1: Yeah, so, oh man it's it's, it's like media just being absolutely sideswiped by this COVID thing and um but um through the oh, I guess the genius of of Rick Salizo mm-hmm. and um James uh Copeland who sort of producers and um and also um Andrew Mulligan and um uh, and james McConney, um we've managed to create an online sort of version of it um, which we do just two shows a week and then they fill the rest of the week's shows with um historical stuff mm. and um yeah like and it's it's great because it's mean we're important to sky yeah you know? We've all kept our jobs. Yeah, Yeah, we've we've taken some pay cuts and like like the rest of everybody and stuff like that. But uh so we've been producing two shows a week and and a lot of the same content I guess that you've seen I I think we I think because we jumped on it so quickly Mm -hmm. and embraced it so aggressively, um, it felt like when we saw T V one and T V two tv3 doing their news in their their versions of 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 how they dealt with it felt like that they were copying us right <laughs> <laughs> you know so um you know and we i mean initially it was skype uh, and then we we rolled onto involving zoom and then uh and then blinder because that gave us uh obviously um, we could get both files and it just it changed up the whole dynamic a little bit. I've been able to have two people on the screen at the same time, all that sort of stuff. And so it's been a a work in progress. Um, we also, um, uh, you know, like kind of trying to. I, I don't think anything's going to change for us in terms of what we're putting on online for the show um, till sort of mid June, maybe. Mm. Uh, and maybe we get to return back to a bit more regular um, you know, sports back on the game. Um, we should have the NRL in full swing with uh, with hopefully, obviously, soon, well, not a, a version of New Zealand rugby. That's going to be interesting, that, eh? Oh, it'll be fantastic, mate. Uh, like, It's going to be disappointing not to see some of the, uh, those top-tier super teams rolling into town and testing what's going to be, but the same time you know like uh you know it'll be great to see these super top sides um cracking some out you know what would be really interesting uh, like it, i mean i know there's only a short period of time but most of the npc teams would have been kind of starting to formulate it would have been it would have been kind of cool if they could have cracked um you know like made it got like and just like picked up another team just totally. to see how they would you know like a, a random sixth team and, and see how they got on, you know, they like just chuck them together and everyone, you know, because I'm sure some of those guys that don't have uh, super contracts would be just fizzing on the idea of being able to um, turn up and and and, and have a, a bash
0: at our super team. Kind of like, a, I just, as you were saying that, I was trying to think, where would it be located? But maybe it's almost an itinerant team. Maybe it's like a New Zealand representative or an NZ15 team. It'd be yeah, a barbar bar version yeah, yeah.
1: of 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 second, you know, taken from wh- whoever they want to take
0: who didn't get contracts who's still in town. Yeah, and you they know, and they there's... always play away because they don't have they don't have a home team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, Nig- but... I was talking to Nigel Yeldon about this just the other night. Actually, the idea of I'm quite excited about just seeing New Zealand against New Zealand, and I've always been a bit of a fan of the idea, uh, and not not saying it's ever going to happen, but of sort of basing a New Zealand competition on the NRL. And just turning it into the best rugby in the world, full of international players as well as local players, you know, 10 teams across New Zealand sort of thing. But, I mean, this might be a little glimpse into that, but a very, very little glimpse, I guess.
1: Well, it's interesting. Like, um, you know, like if you go back into the amateur sort of breaking into professionalism and stuff like that, um, you know, Super 8, Super 10, those those numbers existed. Yep. Uh, The amateur thing, and Super 10 was... As amazing as it was, because um, you got to play these international teams, they were effectively that 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 super team was Otago. yeah, or Auckland, and um, so you know that was just icing to be able to play those internationals, and then you then you roll into into the national uh, NPC season, and the NPC uh, was next level in those days, you know, like just in terms of crowds and you know, the crowd running onto the field at the end of the day and and kids scoring tries on on, 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 where where they've just watched their um, mentors doing it. You know, it's just, I missed that part of it, you know, like two-hour signing sessions. Right. You know, the freezing cold of Dunos with a jacket still in your... House of Pain. sweaty clothes. (laughs) House of Pain, yeah. You know, like it, it was a magical period in time, you know. And I, you know, sometimes when I look at these the young young guys today, and, and they actually get to miss that, they've, they've
0: missed that, you know, that real um, engaging with, with the fans. I, I think there's there's one step removed from that as well, and it kind of, everything's jumped up a level. So what, like you say, NPC, that used to be the pinnacle of, um, you know, provincial rugby, then super rugby comes along, so it kind of jumps up one, which means club rugby, which used to be the uh, pinnacle of, you know, your local clubs, is now NPC. Because I I still tell the story, I remember in the 1980s, about going to see Marist play in Auckland, and, you know, I'm about two metres away from that curtain over there, being that far away from JK. You know, that's where he was standing in his Marist gear on the thing. And then two people inside him was bloody Bernie McCahill. Then on the back of that scrum was Zin Zan Brook, and in the bloody scrum was Robin Brook. You know, and we'd see them, when they play for their clubs, and you would stand on the grass, without exaggeration, you know, two meters from the greatest winger in the world. Know. And I know. and I and those days, I kind of go, "Whoa, you know that that's something." Whereas now, that's sort of gone because they get picked out of club rugby, they don't go back, and they go to NPC, and then they get picked out of NPC, and they kind of don't go back, well, and they go to super. Some of them rugby. don't even some of them don't even
1: don't even make club, club rugby. Yeah, right. Straight out of school, you know, into a super situation. You know, because of uh, I guess that whole um, what do they call it, where the development squad situation. You know, so there, there's still I'd, I'd assume there's still some players that miss uh, miss you know fall through the cracks and miss their opportunities. Yeah. Um, and and never become super players who probably would have been good super players, but um, I'd say the current system doesn't it allows for more guys to stay in the system longer to go through but a lot of those players now especially in club rugby they yep. go well I'm not going to make a I'm not going to make it into super and NPC so why should I play club but they were often the stalls you know yeah you know, some, some of those uh, 30 35 year old guys who were still jazz living and breathing rugby on Saturday night. Yep. And and we're just tough bastards, man. It's, it's... hard to play against. But as an 18-year-old coming in or 19-year-old coming in and playing in that environment, crikey, I learned a lot of what <laughs> good, genuine life skills Yeah, of managing tough people like that, you know, because,
0: you know? I mean, there was a lot
1: more shit going on than there is in today's
0: rugby. Totally, totally. But those days of, and I'm pretty sure that they did do this. That they'd have certainly in the Auckland competition, they'd have the club finals on a weekend when there was other things that finished up. So they'd have the How club. Yeah, they, they the, never, never had
1: any. There was yeah, no really, clashes uh, crossover. I remember, like, so I, I did a fair bit of coaching. when I went back to university second time after I come back from overseas, and we had nine of our uh, nine of our team. Make it into the Otago squad, mm-hmm. and so uh, they had their one of their preseason build-up games. Yep, and so they weren't available for the final.
0: Mm. What the f- And it, it was doesn't make. It, it was the reverse. I remember that sometimes you know players wouldn't be available through the club season because they'd be playing for Auckland or Waikato or someone like that. But yeah, it always, always seemed the final they were available. So you'd go to Eden Park and you'd see Marist versus University. And, of course, I think University had, um, had uh, Grant Fox playing for it. And, you know, these are the players and you'd see them in their club teams. The finals would always be at Eden Park, but certainly in the weeks before, You'd go see them standing a meter away from it. it was freaking awesome. Hey, um, I know that we're going to be about now, an and I want to give you the uh, give you that time to shoot off. But I saw <laughs> I saw a headline this week that the uh, the gorgeous and wonderful and amazing Jonah would have been forty five this week. It was would yes. have been his his birthday. Jonah Lomu is the the guy who made me finally feel like a grown up. You have these moments in your life where you feel a bit older and you realize you're growing up. Like, for example, I've always said when I bought a wheelbarrow, when you start buying things that serve no purpose other than work, you're like, ah, shit, I guess it's time to grow up. When Jonah got picked for the All Blacks, it was the first time me realizing, holy crap, I'm older than All Blacks. And then you go through that next 10 years and then you realize, shit, I'm older than all of the All Blacks. And it's a bit of a wake up call. But you, I was just wondering, maybe if you had anything, you know, you played with them. Um, I still, you know, he's every time I see an image of him pop up or something, I always go, Oh, is there anything you want to share about Jonah before we, we say goodbye and you get back to your kids oh, playing? Look, Fortnite? Man, I,
1: I guess it was a bit of a sign of the times for me. You know, I feel privileged. Um, first and foremost, only that I got to play amateur and professional rugby. Um, it was, you know, like, yeah, and I say to people still to this day that the best rugby ever played was amateur rugby. Right. Um, professionalism had its qualities and its and its great ingredients, but for just genuine good old fashioned rugby and having a great time doing it, amateur was just mind blowingly cool. Mm. And um, and in that that period, um, I got to play with some of the greats. Of, of that decade, you know, and um you know Jonah Loma was key and foremost. I think he to me was the first genuine uh super sports sporting superstar in New Zealand. Yep. And and, and for rugby worldwide because nobody had seen anything like it. Mm. Uh, the, this was the guy this was a guy that was the size of a south african lock <laughs> and you know um most wingers would have been at their biggest 100 kg in any one any one place in new zealand and this this kid was you know um at that time was clocking 118 or something like that and we he'd have a season of eating too much something excessive, excess of that you know <laughs> um but could do, still do sub-1100s, sub, sub 1100s, you, know? you know? And that's just mind-blowing, you know, when you think about that. And then on top of that, he had a natural ability for being able to step and scythe and and still run over people, you know? And that's... So he was a treat to watch, and a treat to play around, you know, too. You know, I, um, I, I always got coined as the you know, getting tries off Jonah. (laughs) But I I feel there's a lot of footage that shows me giving him the last pass as well. But (laughs) that's what everybody remembers, you know? So um and then I think that that whole transition, you know, you had uh was it ninety three or ninety four where didn't quite go quite so well for him and he got dropped and they never took him away at the end of the year and um, and it was sort of felt like maybe he wouldn't recover because you know, come in and an
0: eighteen-year-old
1: kid and then get mm. dropped um,
0: against France, eh? And they get they kept kicking yeah, it just over, just kicking it over his head, and they and yeah. and and that was a weakness at that time.
1: Yeah, and so, um, but you know, Laurie Main's kind of a cunning man, really, when you think about you know, what the team that he put together in 95, I think he always had a plan of where he wanted to go and the players he wanted to to pick. And and so, you know, the people that he sort of put on the sideline for, for certain periods and stuff like that, it was a, it was a plan of getting them where he wanted to get them. And, you know, with the camps and everything. So when he turned up in 1995 um, at that World Cup, no one had ever seen anything like him. Right. You know? and but he also had an incredible team that and jonah would say this as well um had a team that really um supported his attributes you know and and allowed him to get the ball with some room to either go in and out or over the top of someone yeah you know and that's that's a great um you know luxury to have i think is when you're a young player and you and you can just get to do and showcase all the things that you do really well. Yeah. And um, but he was a he he was a massive. As much as he was a massive man, he was had a massive heart. Mm. You know? And um, you know he was he was fun to be around. And um, and you know, I mean, we've all seen the reports of you know of he was just forever giving to people. You know, um, he was stopped. And talk to everybody and he, you know, we all remember the headphones back when he was younger but i think he realized that he just couldn't keep everyone out all the time right and so rather than just keeping them out he just brought them in and th- and that's i think also part of the reason why he became as well wildly followed because yeah. he portrayed that, that side of things as well and um but, yeah, like, for me, my relationship with Jonah is, uh, like, we were kind of the the two that kind of always sorted the movies out. Um, <laughs> what was going on? And it was either him and myself just going on our own sort of Thursday, Friday night before for a game or um, or we'd let everybody know that such and such a movie was on and there'd be 20 of us going down. So nice. it's... It, it, but uh i think those those times when we'd be walking down to the movies together um that's my memory of big jay um he's yeah and yeah some of the some of the stories he tell you of his background and where he came from the things he'd done it, would, it always amazed me to to see the end result of where he got to you know mm. and, um, and that's credit to to the man and I, I, I always it was such a shame you know because like that the illness too was already kicking in at 1995 to all of us um and so did we ever really see the best of Big J I don't know
0: that's a scary thought eh
1: yeah that's <laughs> it a, is a scary
0: thought my my, my old man my old man was involved with rugby referees through the 80s and 90s quite heavily he's got a photo of him with Jonah so I'm, I'm 191 centimetres, so that's sort of 6'3", probably 6'4", yeah. when I've got shoes on and I'm standing up fucking straight. Um, but, of course, he's got a picture of himself with Jonah. My dad had a lot of um, time spent in Fiji, a couple of business yeah. interests over there. And one year he took this photo of him and Jonah uh, to Fiji with him. And as many people as he could, <laughs> he'd show the photo and go, this is my son. And all the Fijians were like, What? Your son is John, Lowe. <laughs> and I think it got him many free free ginger ale's. As my dad is a bit of a teetotaler. Um. <laughs> oh,
1: that's comical! Oh, look, he was he was just an amazing man. Like like in terms of the athleticism, I remember we played um, at Pukekohe, and We got to play against um, you know as you do in in that the NPC situation, and I kind of rate myself about fifty fifty on my tackle front with Big J. Okay, I remember. Um, <laughs> Uh, I remember I I saw them running this move and I could see Jonah coming in from behind. And I thought, right, I've got you here, dude. (laughs) He came and sure enough, he got the ball just as I thought he'd get the ball. And I rolled in and I just, you know, when you, you know, when you feel it, when the shoulder just comes in and you feel them fold and it started to go down and everything was fine and I thought, right, I'm really monstered in here. Cut him in half. And next thing he's running through John uh, Leslie and Square <laughs> under the post. And I looked down and I go, how did this happen? You know, how has he got through me? Like I had him and I looked at my hands, and in both sets of the hands, I had a piece of a
0: shorts. Oh, you serious? Yeah. He literally so he I, ripped himself out of the shorts. Well, uh,
1: and then technology let me down because I'd have.
0: Oh, that is good. get a
1: new set put on. They'd they just completely come off. But it just it um and that's just the, the sheer strength of the man, you know?
0: Hey, um, you got time for one more quick question?
1: Oh, buddy, I'm,
0: I'm I'm yours, mate. All right, all bro. Good. As a as a sports nut, I'm sure you've uh had a keen eye on the last dance. And um, you know, this the world is talking about the, the the GOAT in the NBA. Who's the greatest, who's the greatest, and it's you know, is it LeBron, is it Michael, is it uh is it Kareem, is it Wilt? Um and I guess just from talking about Jonah and stuff, I'm just wondering I am I'm actually I, I understand and I'm aware that it's very difficult to compare players with players, especially in different positions, but who would be the people in rugby maybe that A, you've played with, and B, that you know of, maybe there's something you haven't played with, that you would think are, are kind of the, the greatest rugby players there's ever been?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's there's an ingredient of personality that comes into all those situations as well. You know, as much as, you know, um, they showcase sheer talent and, and whatnot, there's, there's a personality that, that's involved in that sort of, you know, why people adhere, and, and for me, as well, you know, like you know, so they, they, I often find a player better because I enjoy who they are as as a as a person, right? You know, the Brazil, you know, and so for me, Colin Meads is hard to go not to go from. I never got to play with him. I never never really watched him as a player, but to interact with him as I did with when he was a manager and, and post that and. My and, and some situations that, that that I was involved with personally with him, um, he, he he I struggle not to put him first and foremost, but Richie McCaw just purely for his longevity in the mm-hmm. game um, and his application for the duration of that longevity, um, and the way he played the game with. Tactical sense, strength, and just getting on with it. Um, it's it's a hard not to put him first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, well, he was he was a workhorse and and, and skill for it and his leadership. He, he's kind of up there, isn't he? But mm. then you go, "Wow, is rugby about that, or is it about someone like Jonah?" But then Jonah never had a complete game. He just was, when he was a tech, he was sheer brilliance. Yeah. But if, like, but out of the people that I, in my mindset, of, that I just used to constantly just go, oh, I can't believe that that dude did what he just did in that situation. Mm. It's Jeff Wilson. Right. Bloody, you know, like, I, I don't think they're as good as Dan Carter and Bodie Barrett and all those guys were. Jeff Wilson, um just did it all, he could kick, he could pass uh, um, at the right time, the bright pass, whenever he wanted, off both hands, he could kick off both feet, um, kicks, goals, drop kicks, um, kick and chase, uh, change up a gas, step and, and then on the flip of it, he could nail you in a tackle. You Know he just did it all, and um, you know, bar uh, one moment in history where he probably could have made himself uh, in, in, in the Jonah status when he could have won that game.
0: Is that Gregan's tackle? Gregan. Yeah,
1: that's probably the only moment in his whole career. Um, but how the did he get there?
0: Yeah, to <laughs> even try and score the try,
1: yeah. everybody forgets that that part of it, you know. Um, yeah, I, it's really hard, and I'm sure everybody have. but if just for share in the time and what I've seen in my frame, probably Richie McCall, yeah.
0: Do you have a player that you can think of that you liked watching most of all? Because I, I, straight away when I'm thinking about the greatest player, I'm going, actually, you know how I liked watching most, most of all? And that was the Paikokariki Express. I mean, just watching and just seeing... I mean it's interesting. I'm thinking about Colin Meads, and I'm kind of going, you know he he's similar to actually Jonah, and actually people had never seen it before. I've got the image of him with you know running with what, the ball in one hand just down the sideline like a winger as a lock. And I'm thinking with Christian Cullen as well that God, I I can still remember i I, I think it was Sam Moore. It was one of the island teams with his first game, and he got hit in the hardest tackle I've ever seen in my life, and he just bounced back up and kept going. Like I thought, okay, this new kid's playing okay, he's no longer playing, he's now finished his all-black career, and he bounced back up, and something about the speed and strength of that man, I've, I've recently looked at a, a highlights package on YouTube of Christian Cullen, and I go, I think he was the person I liked watching most of all, of all the all-blacks I've watched and rugby I've watched.
1: Yeah, Crowbar was um, definitely next level when he had ball in hand, you know. Um, he took options that other people couldn't see, and that's probably the, for a guy that just slept all day, every day while he was playing um it used to stun me how he'd just suddenly wake up and just have all this energy you know um he was next level yeah i don't know like he was he was great to watch but i mean i suppose i spent more time um when you're playing with him it's your appreciation is quite distinctly different to right to watch um um yeah, I don't know that, that's a that's an interesting thing yeah you know, like actually watching someone i've never never really thought about that um i, I probably I'd, I'd it would be other sports that you know all right that, that I would formulate that watching thing and I just it's hard from in that period when I was uh there like in terms of Kelly slatter it's, it's hard not to figure his name and, and then, and even Michael Jordan, crikey, man. Yeah. I watched that, that from when he started to just being next level. And it, you just expected him to take the clutch shot.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, every, every time, every situation, you just expected it. Yeah. There was no reason not to. Yeah. You know. Um, I th-
0: And I think that's yeah. the reason, I think that's the reason that he's, um, not even arguably the GOAT for basketball, but is the GOAT, is that pretty much all the other players who are in that uh, conversation, be it LeBron or Kobe or, you know, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Magic or Larry, or maybe Larry, Larry Larry might equal, I was going to say, the, the one difference is he's the one with the ball in the last play every time. The other players, they may haven't, they may, Larry Bird is fair to say Larry Bird would always be that person as well, so we'll put we'll put those two other people who would always have the ball in the last play, whereas all the other players, they would feature in the last play, but you may not expect them to make the last play. But for Michael and for Larry, those were the two guys who you did. And I think that's one of the ones that elevates, certainly Michael, but the two of those may be above some of the others when it comes to that conversation. Like,
1: and to be honest, like, I don't know if there is a person like that in rugby?
0: Yeah, it's true. That's fair. So, so, so um, if you use the same thing, if yeah. you if you're 25 meters out and you have to score a try, because actually you're not going to put it in the hands of a case muse, are you? Because that's not his role in that job. His role is to set a platform so you can give it to someone else to try and cross the line. So maybe it's not even a fair analogy of the last play.
1: No, but I mean. The only person I could think of in that situation is Goldie because I don't know how many times he did it for us in Otago. You know, he just, I don't know, something out of nothing, you yeah. know, golden touch. That, that's why it was cool. It, you know, he was called Goldie. It wasn't really because of his locks, it was because he had the golden, golden touch. touch.
0: And you were called Crusher because, what, John Aloma crushed you and left the <laughs> nickname, your hand? My nickname's,
1: <laughs> my nickname's hilarious in some respects. So, um, way back when I first started playing uh, with with Jamie Joseph and Aaron Penney, and, and I guess we, might, we had a bit of an impact in that 93, and it was quite, uh, you know, like, oh, who's this kid, and, and look at what this, this trio was doing. Because we were playing the game distinctly different to any other uh, loose, loose trio pairing, you know, um, just because of the traits we each bought. Yep. Um, and uh, this guy came and did an interview, and he interviewed us all for about 15 minutes, I think, uh, and then he wrote this, this story up, and it was in some magazine. And, and I remember when it came out, um, he said uh, he had the boys' nicknames, he had J.R., which uh, for Jamie Jason, obviously for J.R. Hume, he's the boss man, mm-hmm. um, and I, th- I can't remember was it was either Fetanui or Calfhead um, for uh, for Aaron Penny, obviously because he's got a big head, <laughs> uh, and, and then um, and then they hadn't asked me about the nickname, so they just invented one. Oh, really? Uh... And they, they they put Crusher because of his bone-jarring tackles. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember reading it and going, oh, that's, you know, because at that time, um, the, the coach, um, Gordon Hunter, had nicknamed me the kid. And, you know, and I was the youngest uh, member in our four-pack at the time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was kind of only really known at that, if, if, I, if I had a nickname, or Gorilla, which I'd had my whole life. So, um or a palms is usually associated as well, but um, that 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 was the only thing, and it it was in this. Uh, Stu Forster um, had read it in this uh, office, maybe six months on, and you know in the reception, and uh, I started giving Stu a whole lot of crap, and um, about some situation, and he goes. Settle down, Crusher. <laughs> and I showed I showed my uh, my instant dislike. Right, <laughs> boys and that, are on it,
0: and I, that's why it's stuck.
1: it stuck. That's it. And I, I knew it was a nickname when uh, the fans started calling me Crusher. Right, because calling, getting called Crusher was just those boys of twenty-six odd or thirty or whatever it was in those days. Um, that called me. No one else would call me that and uh, and then all of a sudden the fans started calling me as well, and um, so I was Crusher And now I embraced it. You know, like I, I remember. That's that's why my emails kind of has has that in it, and uh, rather than my name, mind you, that's simply because when I try to get, I, I think I tried about three versions of my name back in the day. Yeah, it was already gone.
0: <laughs> really?
1: What? Yeah. But people used to do that, didn't they? They used to um, steal names, yeah, yeah. yeah. And try and steal, uh, sell them off to you and stuff.
0: But I don't know. Well, so hence my, my Josh, it's noise. been a it's been an utter pleasure talking to you. i I feel your um your 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 whatever platform you play on, your PlayStation calling you afternoon with your your boys, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I'll be lucky if I can get on it. Getting those kids off it it's it's a different world man it is it's great. hey it's been a blast I've, I've been looking forward to this chat for a long time so thanks for giving us some time today and um dude we're always here in, in lovely dunedin next time maybe i won't be in my bedroom but i'll be in my new studio downstairs that'll be the plan that we're building this weekend hopefully fingers crossed and um yeah always a pleasure tell people um about if they want to interact with crowd go wild now what's the best way to do it
1: um, obviously, we've we've got our own Insta. We've obviously got Facebook, and uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights um, at seven pm on Prime. It obviously gets uh, re shown on, on Sky Sport as well. Yep. Uh, at all the different sport channels at different times, and, but I couldn't quote those to you.
0: But if they want to see the actual episodes you're doing at the moment, Tuesdays and Thursdays are the two nights they're going yeah, to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually crop up on either one or the two of them. So it's it's yeah, it's good fun though. Good crew.
0: We have a great time doing what
1: we do, and uh, we don't mind laughing at ourselves.
0: Sounds good. Hey, Josh, thanks for your time, dude. It's been a blast. All right, team, that's us done and dusted. Uh, Josh Cronfell, thank you for your time. If you are keeping track of what we're doing and what we're about, we are fast approaching the 100th episode of the Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. Head to Vaporium.nz to find out more about Stratus. But basically, it's a vaping system to help stop smoking. So it's designed specifically with a little bit of nicotine in it to help people um, waylay their cravings whilst they're getting off cigarettes as they are transitioning away altogether from those disgusting cancer sticks. Um, So, yeah, we are fast approaching the 100 episodes. Now, what's happened here in the Department of Conversation is we've had to and needed to, because of COVID-19, because of uh, financial situations, give up our studio in central Dunedin. You know, if you've been watching the video episode of these podcasts, and you can probably hear it in some of the audio that we've been doing Zoom conversations for the last little, little while. That's because of COVID locking us down. Uh, so we've been doing it from home, actually from my bedroom, uh, which you have probably heard me say about a million times. I'm sorry, I'm a bit, uh, bit like a stuck record on that. Um, so what we've actually done over the weekend is built a studio in my house. And we are now in the process of moving all the equipment from the central Dunedin studio to my house. So uh, this upcoming week... Uh, We might be a bit quieter on the podcasting front whilst we reset up the studio. However, I'm looking forward to seeing who is going to be our guest for the 100th episode. And that's not a sneaky little tease, like I've got someone lined up. I have approached a couple of people, but there's no one booked in yet for the 100th podcast. Um, But that's coming up let's say in the next seven days from hearing this of course if you're listening to this in 2022 it'll already be done um so yeah thanks again to josh cronfeld listen out for what's coming up in the next week to 10 days for that 100th episode and of course the episodes before that as well and uh, once again thanks so much for joining us really do value and appreciate you listening to us if you're listening to this on itunes a rate and a review would be much appreciated helps us go up their algorithms and get found by other people but until we see you next time hooroo